Welcome to the Leverage to Scale show. I'm Amber Vilhauer, founder and CEO of LeverageToScale.com, brought to you by NGNG Enterprises, standing for No Guts, No Glory. We work with purpose-driven business owners to develop their online platform and scale their influence. We believe that you have the opportunity to positively change the world one relationship at a time. Stick around to the end of the show in about 20 minutes and I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing marketing podcasts. Let's go. So today I have Josh Weiss, founder and president of LA Creative Technologies joining me. Josh, welcome. How are you? I'm so good. It's so good to be here with you, Liz. Great to meet you and good to be on the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. So tell me a little bit about LA Creative Technologies and what you do. LA Creative Technologies, we are a managed IT provider out of Los Angeles, California. We secure and streamline uh, creative and passion-driven businesses. And that looks like people in um, architecture, nonprofit, startups, cannabis, and, and uh, media organizations. And we just uh, were an outsourced IT department we help people with cybersecurity, and we're very interested in the digital transformation of businesses, especially in light of this crazy, crazy year that we're mm-hmm. all looking through. I'd love to talk to you some more about that as we go on. Absolutely. Tell me how you got to where you are with this type of outsourced IT and security stuff. Where were you before this? Before this, uh, if we go back about... Uh, just about 15 years, I was living in Guatemala, teaching, oh, wow. teaching computer classes in Spanish, setting up computers in rural schools, and DJing, which is my other profession and hobby. Nice. Uh, living out there. I came back to Los Angeles for about six months to earn a little bit of money so I could go traveling again, put up a bunch of clip art flyers all around my neighborhood with little, you know, IT support I'll fix your viruses, and here we are. And here we are, twelve years later. Wow! The, you know, with the number of employees and a and a global network of team members and some great clients here, and I never ended up going traveling again. But I did uh, get a great business started that I love. Wow, that's a that's an amazing like bootstrap <laughs> beginning to where you're at right now. That's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a it's been a really interesting journey to build, and it, it's why we ended up working with the type of people that we work with, mm-hmm. um, because so many people who work in my profession they focus on the doctors and the bankers and the mm-hmm. lawyers and sort of your more traditional typical business people, and because my background comes from traveling and sort of a multicultural multi multicultural multilingual background mm. and working in music, the business that I've built up over time here are, are clients who reflect those same type of values that I have and that same uh, that same connection to creativity. Yeah. That What's the size of kind of your ideal client that you're working with right now? We have two different sizes that are great. We love your sort of 10 to 30 person office who has no IT on staff and mm. needs an entirely outsourced IT department. And we also have, uh, we work with startups. And so an example of that, we have a real estate company that we've, mm. we've been with since they had 20 people. They have 900 now. And oh, they wow. have five IT people on staff. And we, 
co-manage the IT environment for them. So, so we like that 10 to 30 spot where we take over all the IT duties. And then we also work with startups anywhere up to like a thousand people to be able to provide um, network management, cybersecurity services and technology strategy and just help take the work off that IT department's plate. Mm, absolutely. And geographically, are you US, LA, global, kind of where are you guys at geographically? You know, it's interesting. We do both, but we love people in LA. We're based out of LA. And yeah. We love to work with, lo with local people, but we've always had clients where, you know, I have a client, for example, they have about 20 people. They do, mm -hmm. they do marketing research um, mm -hmm. and they have people all over the country. They work out of co-working spaces. Mm -hmm. and this was long before COVID hit. Right. This company had that distributed model where, you know, they do have one team member in Los Angeles, but we hadn't even met that team member by the time that we signed them up and mm -hmm. you know, met them six months later. So it's kind of a roundabout question, but if we're yeah. going to be managing your local IT infrastructure, we'd love to work out of LA. But, you know, because we work in IT, there's so much flexibility. We can support Absolutely. people anywhere. And and the sky's the limit, right? The clouds. The Absolutely. Limit. Yeah, the clouds the limit. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the challenges that you're seeing people like moving to this more digital world during COVID? Um, you know, a lot of more traditional companies have had to take this leap that they really weren't expecting. It's been really, really interesting for us to see that because obviously in my decade plus working in this industry, I've always yeah. been sort of beating the drum of like, hey, it's time to get farther into the cloud. It's time to yeah. stop relying so much on an office. Even if you like to meet at your office and gather at your office, you don't want to be limited by mm -hmm. the office. And there's a story that I like to tell. Um, architecture firm, probably making about $7 million a year, mm -hmm. 25 people, um, one of our favorite clients. And they always, you know, they have a very modern outlook on the outside. But they were never very much into the cloud. And we started working with them in about 2017. For about mm -hmm. two and a half years, we were trying to convince them to get into the cloud. Let's move your files into the cloud at least and start this journey into the cloud. And we finally convinced them right at the end of 2019. We finished this cloud migration a month before COVID hit. Oh, and the wow. boss, and you know, the boss's words about that were this was a very prophetic moment. You yeah. really saw this coming. And so the reason I talk about this, it's just like you said, Liz, that more traditional businesses, they had a harder time when COVID. Mm -hmm. And so we've seen a couple different levels. I mean, when this podcast is being recorded, we're, we're just about at the end of September 2020, which is just about seven months into COVID. And so at the beginning, we had this emergency where mm -hmm. our clients who were not yet set up for work from home we're sort of frantically trying to get all the systems set up and in place so that people could actually do their work. That was the first month or two. Um, after that, we saw a lot of concern about cybersecurity because people are working outside the office. And I think that there's always been a certain amount of security, especially in smaller firms, where they felt protected because everyone was near each other. If something went wrong, people were going to know faster. They had their systems in place. Yeah. But now you've got people sitting at home, right? I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Maybe you got high school kids and one of their friends is going to go on the laptop and steal some information. Yeah. Or 
maybe someone is just going to not have the same protections on their network. So what we saw after that was a lot of like trying to put together policies and trying to really get protected so that mm-hmm. people have that peace of mind. Um, and people were there from a cybersecurity perspective. And now that we've crossed this six month mark, um, there's a great uh, researcher on, she actually researches shame and vulnerability. She's one of the biggest podcasters out there, Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. did a podcast a couple of weeks ago and she talked about this concept of day two. Day two in her mind was about when she does a three-day workshop. Day two is mm-hmm. always the hardest. Um, I, I see us all in day two phase of this pandemic where everyone, yeah. we, we've passed the initial emergency. We've passed the novelty of like going out and getting cocktails to go and <laughs> everyone baking bread and all this stuff. Yeah. And now we're like, okay, how do we operate? Because we yeah. could be like this for six months or a year or 18 yeah. months. No one knows. And so what I'm seeing now is people looking at the, the larger context of what we call digital transformation, which is essentially how do we use our technology and our tools and our workflows to be more productive or be more secure or have a more human and connected organization, even though Mm -hmm. we're not in the same place, right? Um, And so that's where I see the challenges now is really like, how do you re- frame the way you do business, whether that's how you sell or how you work or how you deliver to really, um, I guess, take advantage of the good parts here, because obviously there's a lot of bad parts, but how do we take advantage of the good parts and how do we come out of this more agile and stronger? Mm -hmm. Do you have like something that every time you go in and start talking cybersecurity to somebody who's just made the transition, it's like your first question, have you done this one thing? Have you redone your policies and procedures? Mm. Really boring. I know it's boring. (laughs) Bring it up. No one wants to talk about it. The people want the end result, which is that they want to just know that everything has been done to keep them safe. Right. Mm -hmm. When they don't have their policies and procedures, to me, it says they have not asked the right questions. They don't exactly know what they're trying to protect, right? They want this, mm-hmm. this magic bullet. Like, here is cybersecurity. You can buy it for $5.99 or something like that, right? <laughs> right. It doesn't exist because cybersecurity is what, what do you want to protect first, right? Mm-hmm. What do you want to protect? What are your people doing? What are they working on? What are they generating? What's valuable to your business and the yeah. digital clients, right? Yeah. Uh, once we know what they want to protect, um, I like to have them ask what's changed since COVID hit because, and that's mm-hmm. why it's so important. Have you updated your policies and procedures yet? If you mm-hmm. haven't, you have not asked what changed either, right? Mm-hmm. And then you also don't know what are the new risks, right? right? What's different with your people working at home from when they were in the office? So mm. for me, by asking this really boring question of if your policies and procedures have been updated, we can get into some really juicy stuff, which is going to allow us to protect you from real things, to not be the organization whose employee sends out a phishing email 
um, mm. to an entire content list, you know, which I've seen happen, and I'm sure you've seen happen, Liz, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Someone clicks the wrong link, they send out, a, even if nothing happens and no one steals anything, you've just sent out 10,000 emails to your entire yeah. content list. Yeah. Um, happened to an organization that I know recently where sort of their main public face of the organization, the guy who does all the schmoozing and the networking, he blasted out 10,000 phishing emails. And in the form of a fake RFQ. So it's just, you know, so I like to, you know, if we're talking cybersecurity, I like to know about those policies and procedures and sort of try to bring out the human element of mm -hmm. what people are doing, what they're touching, what could go wrong, and just yeah. get that business owner to understand, you know what, I'm okay with sending out those phishing emails. I just don't want to have someone empty out my bank account or steal my identity, right? I, Whatever it is, we I, need to have those conversations in a very human, um, relatable way mm -hmm. so that they know what cybersecurity means. Yeah. And so that if they just had some security policies in a handbook, we're going to pull those out and, and give them story and give them yeah. depth. And then we can say, okay, we do have tools to protect you. Now that we know what we're protecting, we can put those tools in place and we can keep monitoring them and we can actually keep you safe. Otherwise, you're just buying some generic product that is not going to help you. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, the cybersecurity conversation is always like every time I think about it, I can't spend too much time or I don't sleep that night. Like just thinking about all the things that can go like terribly wrong. <laughs> It's so crazy. I mean, I know we said we were going to focus on the good parts today. <laughs> yes, we're, that's right. Um, so that's I so really like the day two concept that you talked about from Brene Brown. And I was curious, you know, we've got these traditional companies that we were talking about that have moved from, um, you know, paper only and they're doing the digital transitions and everything else. Do you have any like day two tips for these customers or these companies now that they have taken the first steps and it seems like, okay, now we're in this long process of sustainability. Like what tips would you give them at this point? One of the tips that I like to talk about is to have people really consider how, how remote work functions hmm. and and to sit down and think about that, because I think what happens is you have these businesses, especially businesses who have been in business for a longer period of time. You know, I think you have businesses that started in the last five or so years. They're going to be more remote by default. Yeah. But when I'm talking to more traditional businesses, especially, um, I like to think about, you know, what are the, like, how do you design the remote work? So when do your team meetings happen? What's your structure for one-on-ones? Um, one of the things, that, like one of the things to think about is, do people have to leave video on when you have mm -hmm. meetings? Right? Mm -hmm. If we have fifty people on a Zoom meeting, am I allowed to turn my video off, or do I have to leave it on? Right. Um, what are the expectations? Like, if we're all on Slack, do I have to tell you when I step away? Do I have right. an expectation to respond? Maybe on the flip side, we tell you don't respond if you're in the middle of some important work, right? Mm -hmm. we, have, we have Cal Newport, Deep Work, who writes about the fact that we need to focus. And so now that everyone's remote, maybe I've got Slack dinging all day long and I never actually get any work done. So it's not only when are you supposed to respond, but when are you not supposed to respond? Mm -hmm. yes. um, let's say you're in a creative field, 
like architecture? Um, where do you, like, what are the rules for if someone creates a document, someone's working on it, how do I make sure we don't end up with duplicate versions? Like we have mm -hmm. all these things that change when we're not sitting in an office working together, when you're not sitting next to me and I can tell you I'm opening a file. Right. Uh, so to me, it's it's like looking at how we reimagine remote work. Again, there's gonna be bad parts to it. I miss people, you know? <laughs> I have my whole team in the office. Now it's just me and one other person here. Yeah. Um, so it's totally weird, but we have to look at how we build this and sort of, you know, because we have the right tools in place, we need Microsoft Teams or Slack, we need to have our Dropbox or our Ignite or whatever yeah. file. Um, one of the things I see people working on is bringing in a tool like Miro or Mural. They're online whiteboards where you can put them into Slack or into Teams. So I can be talking to you on video, I can be sketching on my whiteboard and then we can save that with the project. And so, you know, we have we have design firms who are used to having whiteboards. So let's bring that concept into the remote collaboration. Yeah. So, so to me, that that would be one of the first things I would start with of day two is like, we're going to be here for a while. Even if we go back to the office, we might lock down again in two months. Who knows? Yep. At this point, we just don't know. I mean, I mean, South by Southwest just got announced today that it's going to happen virtual next year. It's like things are weird. Mm -hmm. And we want to build these workflows and these processes and tools. But we want to try to use the tools to solve a problem instead of buying mm -hmm. tools for a problem that didn't exist. And yeah. so that and that's how I see day two is like building, building the way that we're going to work together and, and keeping the human element as we as we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that that especially as everything goes more digital, in addition to everything going more spread out and remote, the human aspect is so important to keep kind of at the forefront. Um, you know, we're seeing all the studies about like, you know, people being isolated and all these things and being able to design systems that uses the technology to keep people more engaged, less isolated. All those things is such a good like focal point as people look at this. I call it the uh, the endurance portion. So like the day two or like this next, the sustainable portion of what we're doing, right? Like we have to find ways that we can sustain this until we get to the next piece of whatever's going to happen, you know? So I, I think that's such a great place for people to focus. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, what's funny about it is it's actually another policy procedure at the end of yeah. the day. It's a <laughs> remote work guidelines, right? And that's where these, these really boring things end up giving us the foundation to, yeah. you know, to end up with some great systems in place. Um, and then, and one of the other things that I suggest is there was this automatic um, reaction that a lot of people had, which was like, okay, can I put software on my, my employees' computers? Can I screenshot what they're doing? Can I, you know, yeah. you know, not just have their camera on when we're in a meeting, but can I have it on all the time, right? People want to track. And so what I'm recommending is that you have good good data that you can measure in your organization. Like I'd much rather have a report to make sure that people are getting the 10 things done every day that they have to get done because they're reporting that back to me voluntarily rather than needing to sort of, you know, like watch some recording of what my employee did all day to see if they were getting their job done. Um, <laughs> it's another piece of the human element. And, 
just like this major part of digital transformation is, mm. is our people and how they work together and how they collaborate in the digital age. But then we have data. And so how do we produce the right data inside of our organization? So, mm. you know, I'm in IT. So I want to see how many tickets are people closing every day? Mm. Yeah. Um, how, how satisfied are the, the clients that they're working with on those tickets, yeah. we want them to be very happy. So they'll refer us to other people. Um, mm, yeah. You know, I want to watch as a business owner, I want it to be really transparent to see how profitable is each client. Um, yeah. You know, I know for, for my nonprofit clients, they want to see the engagement on the stuff that they're posting online. They want to yeah. see how their, how their uh, campaigns are performing. How is, mm. how is your YouTube growing? If you used to throw concerts, I mean, we have, I have two clients who their business is producing concerts, right? Oh, They're yeah. kind of dead in the water, but they've both pivoted to digital. So they need to see, they used to count people standing on a lawn watching a concert. Right. Now we need that data to see how did our YouTube fare this summer. So, yeah. so once, pe- once we know how people are working to kind of set the rhythm, we want to move into the data so we can mm-hmm. just... Again, we're telling a story about our business. And if I can rely on those numbers, now people don't have to feel micromanaged. Hey, yeah. just keep that number up to date. Keep that number happy and we're not, we're not going to have to deal with any micromanagement. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, tell me where you see LA Creative Tech in three to five years. LA Creative in three to five years is going to be a purely digital transformation company. We're going to... Mm. We're going to probably move away from so much of the day-to-day IT support, hmm. which we love doing. I think we're going to split that off into its own department. And hmm. digital transformation is what we love most. We, we have a new initiative where we're, we're putting together a benchmark of how different companies are faring in their digital transformation efforts. So, you know, hmm. I, I'm working with a group of advisors on this. And what's fun about it is we're able to see, hey, Companies who are working in in in, uh, in architecture, they're really really on top of using their applications. They're on top of their cybersecurity, but they don't have the data. Or right. we're looking at the nonprofits who are really good at working together as people, but they're you know they're not so good with making their applications integrated. Right. So as part of this process, we're really building out this way of showing people just like. Just like you would use your EBITDA as a as a mm-hmm. business owner to see how profitable you are, we got this one to one hundred score that's showing people here is how your digital efforts are playing out. Right, oh. here is your digital score, and at that point, we're helping people do the kind of things I'm talking about, like mm-hmm. helping their teams collaborate better or helping them choose an application, not just have someone watch a marketing video for Salesforce and get it and waste 30 grand before they realize that they needed a process, not a tool. So yeah. as far as what LA Creative is doing, it's, it's going to be about that. It's going to be about helping people understand how digital their business is, how they're performing mm-hmm. in that way, and then helping them with those projects, helping them mm-hmm. implement applications correctly. Um, helping them with their cybersecurity um, and of course helping them with their IT infrastructure. But what we're most interested in is this upper layer of transformation because yeah. I think I think the future holds a lot of datas in it. And mm-hmm. I want to help people be prepared and really 
I want people to be visionary. I want the clients that we work with to take their vision and, and to bring that into a real visionary business leadership and to yeah. use tools that are available to them. And whether it's how to use outsourcing, you know, I know, I know leverage to scale is, you know, like, can you, can you hire someone like leverage to yeah. scale to help you with your marketing process? For mm-hmm. example, right? All these great, like people have worked on all these individual processes that are so helpful. And what I see in a lot of the businesses I work with is they're not aware that yeah. there's these sort of micro targeted solutions in place to solve yeah. a specific business problem. And so I want to help people understand that and integrate those solutions into their businesses. I love that. I feel like more recently, I've kind of realized that there's an expert in literally everything. And I don't say that in like a bad way, right? But like, you have this like nuanced issue in your business. Like I've started Googling for like, who solves this problem for me? And lo and behold, you can almost always find somebody that will help. So bringing that to the forefront for people, like, you know, all of a sudden you don't know what you don't know. And somebody's like, somebody I know knows those things that you need right now. And it just, it takes such a weight off of, you know, the business owner to have those resources. And, you know, one of the funny things that the the example I always use is you have the classic, the the business owner who has like an executive assistant. And so immediately the executive assistant now does all the marketing and all the social media. But are they good at social media? Do they know social media? No, that they just like write random posts. You you don't have to give this person in your business all these roles they're not actually good at because they might spend a quarter of their job doing it on your burden payroll when you can hire someone outsourced to do it. Um, You know, on the flip side, you got to know what you're doing. You got to hire someone who's good and not throw money at the problem. But I really see that people, like people don't always have a concept of that division of labor and of bringing in the real experts who know exactly how to solve the problem. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how can our community jump on board and support you in getting to that vision for helping people get there? Well, the best way right now is we have a summit that we're going to do. I know there's a lot of stuff these days. Um, but I'm really excited about this one. We're focusing purely on digital transformation. Mm. And digital transformation is a buzzword that you see a lot. I, I generally see it used to talk about what sort of like giant enterprises are doing, like how Adobe has changed their marketing campaigns or like right. you know how PayPal has changed some complicated back-end process that no one cares about. Right. But we're, we're bringing this digital transformation concept to these 20, 30 person businesses that I support yeah. um, and to and to the startups who are one, you know, one one level above them. Mm-hmm. But we have a two-day summit and I'm going to be giving a talk on how to work with virtual team members. Mm-hmm. So really like the strategies that I've used to outsource a lot of parts of my business. Um, and I'm also going to be speaking generally about what digital transformation means to a small business owner and why people mm-hmm. should and just like really, really tactical. Um, and so I'm really excited about this summit. I'd love to invite folks to join us there. Um, we'll, we'll put some links in the podcast. Perfect. Uh, it's going to be later in October and it's really a great way to get started. And the other thing is if you were inspired by today, let's get on a call and do a benchmark. I'd love to show you just mm-hmm. where, 
where are your strengths and weaknesses in terms of digital and technology? And that would be a perfect opportunity for you to take that share with your team and do some of the things that we were speaking about today. Absolutely. Well, Josh, thank you so much for joining me. It was a pleasure to get to know you and hear more about what LA Creative Tech is doing now and in the future. Well, it was so much fun, Liz. Great to meet you. Really good to connect with the Leverage to Scale community. Absolutely. so much for listening to the Leverage to Scale show. If you are a purpose-driven business owner or professional who would like to have a global impact by being interviewed on our show, please visit leveragetoscale.com forward slash guest. Now, if you got something out of this interview, would you do me a favor and share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on your favorite social network. If you do that, just be sure to tag us with a hashtag leverage to scale. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and pick one winner from each platform. What do you win? We are going to promote you and your business to all of our social media fans totally free. Next, if you thought this was a valuable use of your time, please support the show and give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. I believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. My name is Amber Vilhauer, and I thank you so much for your time. Let's connect on your favorite social channels. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being a part of the No Guts, No Glory movement.